0: your copies of scripture, find uh, Genesis, please. Genesis 16, and we're going to begin reading at verse uh, 7. Genesis 16, verse 7, in just a moment, or a few moments. Today we talk about courage. Courage is a common denominator in the extraordinary stories of ordinary people. Courage is a common denominator in the extraordinary stories of ordinary people. And speaking of courage, this weekend we commemorate Memorial Day. So for this morning, uh, the, um, what we call TV or Tennessee Valley Church, for that we, we filmed the, the message part of it at the, the spectacular Veterans Memorial in downtown Huntsville. A spectacular monument to those three words that appear on the front wall of that memorial. Courage, duty, and sacrifice. We appropriately honor... Uh, those who made the ultimate sacrifice. And I love I love our Huntsville Memorial to the veterans. I also love the National D-Day Memorial which is located in Bedford, Virginia. Bedford is a small town and the reason that the National D-Day Memorial is in Bedford is because Bedford lost uh, more boys on June 6, 1944 on D-Day than anybody else in the country. The National Guard unit from Bedford was the first one to unload from those boats and rush onto the beaches of Normandy into the rain of uh, bombs and bullets. And because their loss, the loss in that small town was so great, the federal government honored them by placing the National D-Day Memorial there. There have been, of course, across the history of our nation, countless uh, battles and and countless acts of unusual courage. But there is something about June 6, 1944. There's something about D-Day. There's something about uh, young men in American uniforms jumping out of boats against all odds uh, to capture a beach. And of course, that that battle changed the course of World War II, thus changed the course of history. But the victory was costly and required extraordinary courage. Thus, appropriately, there's a memorial to D-Day. In 1984, 40 years after the original landing on Normandy, Tom Brokaw went back with some veterans of D-Day, to the scene to relive the the moment. And uh, he wrote about it in his marvelous book titled The Greatest Generation. He was there with two veterans of D-Day, Geno Murley and Harry Garton. I want you to hear uh, their reliving of that moment. That hillside they pointed was loaded with mines and a unit of sappers Combat engineers had gone first to find where the mines were. A number of those guys were lying on the hillside, their legs shattered by the explosions. They had shot themselves up with morphine and they were telling where it was now safe to step. They were about 25 yards apart, our guys, calmly telling us how to get up the hill. They were human markers. Now, I have read, as you have, lots of stories of extraordinary courage on the battlefield, but there's something about that story that always has captivated me. These guys who used their own bodies to mark where the mines were and shot themselves up with morphine long enough to kill the pain to say to the other guys charging the beaches, don't step there. We pay our respects this weekend, appropriately so, to courage like that. That is our heritage as Americans and it is more than appropriate that we pause on a weekend to honor that. It is also true that there is the courage of, of other battlefields. Courage that is not as, as not, is not on open display as it was on D-Day and the other, countless other battles in our nation's history. There is a a private, personal courage that goes unnoticed and unheralded. Today we honor that kind of courage as well. There is courage appropriately honored with our our Veterans Memorial and D-Day Memorial and and memorials uh, to first responders But there's another kind of courage for which there will never be a memorial. People exhibiting private, personal courage, unnoticed, and unheralded. And that includes many of you. I'm reading again, To Kill a Mockingbird. And I I was reminded of a a story of courage that I had forgotten. It's sort of, it's just sort of a side story. Mrs. Dubose, Mrs. Henry Lafayette Dubose, was a crotchety old woman who lived a few doors down from Atticus Finch, the main character in the story, and his daughter Scout and son Jim. Mrs. DuBose didn't like kids. She didn't like anybody. When the kids would go by her house, she'd holler mean things at them, even say mean things about their family. She said mean things about Atticus Finch one time and Jim, his little boy, had had enough and he stopped and he went over and he took all the tops out of her camellia bushes. For penance, Atticus Finch made his son Jim go and read to mean old Ms. Dubose for two hours, every afternoon, for an entire month. Little Jim thought he was gonna die. The place smelled bad. Ms. DuBose was mean. And as he read to her, she laid in bed and she had these fits, drooling and such. Not not long after Jim's sentence ended, after he, finished his month of reading tour, Mrs. DuBose died. Jim didn't frankly care much that she'd died, but Atticus let him in on a little secret, known only by Mrs. DuBose and a couple of others in town. Mrs. DuBose suffered with an addiction to morphine. Years earlier, a physician had Prescribed that and she had gotten hooked for pain and she'd gotten hooked on that. But when she found out that she had only a short time to live, she made a decision that she would be freed from that addiction before she died. Morphine would have made her death more bearable, but she was dead set on dying as a freed woman. Atticus told that to Jim, his little boy. Did she die free? Jim asked. As free as mountain air, Atticus answered. And then Atticus said this, please listen. That's why I wanted you to go read to her. His reading, by the way, was a welcome distraction during her withdrawal. And those fits, the drooling and such, was a painful part of her withdrawal from the drug to which she she was addicted That's why I wanted you to go read to her, Atticus said to his little boy. I wanted you to see what real courage is. Instead of getting the idea that courage is a man with a gun in his hand. It's when you know you're licked before you begin, but you begin anyway, and you see it through no matter what. You rarely win, but sometimes you do. Mrs. DuBose won all 98 pounds of her. She was the bravest person I ever knew. Atticus wanted his little boy to know that courage is not the senseless violence against which he fought. But he said Mrs. DuBose was the bravest person he'd ever known. Not the nicest, not the most charitable, but the bravest. Kids walking by saw a nasty old woman. They didn't know that she was fighting a private personal battle, unnoticed and unheralded. They didn't know that behind those doors alone, she was struggling with an addiction. They didn't know, but Atticus Finch called her the bravest person he'd ever known. Every day, you you and I walk by people all across the Tennessee Valley who are fighting private, personal battles unnoticed and unheralded, and we don't know. To some of us, they seem depressed, they seem nasty, they seem uninterested. We don't know. Some of you are fighting those private, personal battles too. And people walk by, and they don't know. Some of you are exhibiting courage in unusual, isolated, lonely places, personal and private courage, unnoticed and unheralded. Some of you may be struggling, as was Mrs. DuBose, with an addiction. Attending meetings, staying clean, requires a great deal of courage. Some of you are are standing for your principles, your convictions, in the face of ridicule and criticism. You're not gonna get an award for that, and yet there you stand. Some of you are taking care of your aging parent. It gets lonely. And you may be doing it, some of you, alone. But you count it an honor to do that. Someone here or watching us is taking care of your ailing spouse. The most beautiful story, the most romantic story is not that of two young scantily clad people running into each other's arms on the beach. It is the most romantic story is the story of the one who said decades ago, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health. And so you bathe and you feed and you care for the love of your life and you count it an honor to do so. Someone here or listening or watching Is fighting with with an overwhelming temptation drawn like a magnet to something you know would be destructive and yet to this point you continue to fight that is extraordinary courage. A young widow and mother of three accepted on behalf of her late soldier husband the Medal of Honor from the President of the United States. The President said to her, young, young lady, you are very brave. She responded, Mr. President, I have to be brave because he was brave. Wallace Hamilton, who wrote of that, the, the account that I read, called that the courage of the commonplace exhibited on a thousand unseen battlefields where no drums beat and no awards are given. And there are people listening to me right now who are fighting the courage of the commonplace on a thousand unseen battlefields where no drums beat and no awards are given. Nobody's ever gonna put a plaque on the wall with your name on it or have a trophy on the mantle with your name on it. There'll never be a, a building built for you. There'll never be a song written about you or a book about you or an article about your courage. Someone here, someone watching is fighting your personal, private, unknown, unheralded battle. And I feel this week my responsibility, my call, and my honor is to encourage you. I would say just about all of us are fighting some private, personal battle. And part of us wants the world to know Because it's getting so tired and so lonely that you would like to scream for people to know. And yet you remain silent for reasons that are understandable. I want to remind you today that you are not alone in your dry, deserted place now, let's find our text in Genesis. One of my favorite scenes in all the Bible. Chapter 16 of Genesis, beginning at verse 7. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? He already knew. I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him and he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. Please don't miss that. You are the God who sees me. You are the God who sees me. That is why the well was called Ber Lahai Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Verse seven reads, the spirit of the Lord found Hagar. There's a lot of history in that passage. The birth of Ishmael through whom the son of Hagar and Abraham through whom the Arab people would have their beginnings. Just as Isaac was the son with Sarah and Abraham through whom the Jewish people would have their beginnings but today we speak not of history uh, but of courage we speak of courage in dry desert places the spirit of the Lord found Hagar there is deep emotion in that phrase there is Hagar alone in the desert betrayed alone pregnant without a husband without a hope without a future And the spirit of the Lord found Hagar in a dry, deserted, isolated, lonely place. And she said, today, I have seen the God who sees me. Please don't miss that. Today, I have come face to face with the God who sees me, does not look beyond me. The God who does not see the crowd, but who sees me. The God who sees me in my lonely, isolated, dry place. When Abraham sees me, she must have thought, Abraham sees a one-night stand. When Sarah sees me, she sees a trashy, trampy slave girl. But today I've come face to face with the God who sees me. And she named the place 'er Beelahai Roy, well of the living one who sees me. The courage of the commonplace is your willingness to do the right thing when no one knows where you are, when no one sees your sacrifice, when no one knows what you're giving up, and no one knows how lonely and isolated you feel. Courage is a a woman Carrie and I knew back in another church who raised a severely autistic child. So severely autistic that she couldn't leave the house. She wanted so badly to be involved in the church she would try to get involved with phone calls. I remember how impossible it was to have a conversation with this mom because of the, the sounds, the loud noise of her severely autistic child. Every day, alone, she stayed with him and loved him tenderly and counted it an honor to do so. That is the courage of the commonplace. It is another mom Carrie and I knew who raised two boys by herself, having been betrayed and abandoned and worked for a living even though, frankly, she could have made more money uh, from the government, but she She worked because she thought that was important. Made sure those boys had everything they needed. Some of you exhibited the courage of the commonplace during the COVID pandemic. Healthcare workers. Oh, I know at first we cheered for you. We had those parking lot, you know, you know, those parking lot gatherings where we all got together and we honked our horns and we flashed our lights and we cheered. But then, you know, we kind of moved on. And then start feeling sorry for ourselves because we had to wear masks everywhere. And you continued behind the walls of the hospitals where we didn't see. Your heart's breaking because of people dying, risking your own well being. That's the courage of the commonplace, where no drums beat and no awards are given. Some of you exhibited courage during COVID by remaining isolated when you, would have, you wanted to go see people. You wanted to go see grandkids. You wanted to go see people you loved, but you stayed in, lonely and isolated, courageously staying away from people you loved because you, you didn't want to infect them. Some of you today are fighting private battles Battles behind closed doors Somebody hearing my voice Is fighting to keep your family together Fighting to Take care of your son and your daughter Someone here fighting an illness An illness that nobody yet knows about Private And personal A noted and and unheralded courage. But here's the deal. You are not unnoticed by God. Just ask Hagar. I have met today, she said, the God who sees me. The God who sees me. God famously said to Joshua, be strong and of good courage, for I, the Lord, your God, am with you wherever you go. And King David said, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't be afraid because you are with me. And that promise is not just for, for biblical heroes. The Bible promises us, God says in Hebrews 13:5, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I love what Calvin Miller said. He said, the people of God do not always win, but they never lose alone. Just ask Hagar. I love Hezekiah's tunnel, and I've told you that story before. When I talked one day about the story of Sennacherib, which is another one of my favorite stories. Hezekiah was the good king, he was the faithful king. But he came under attack by Sennacherib old, old Jerusalem did and Sennacherib was a mighty general and he had this, this military juggernaut headed toward old Jerusalem and word came and everybody was scared and they had a spring outside the old wall and they, nobody wanted to go get water because Sennacherib might get them and so Hezekiah built this, had his engineers build this tunnel. All you engineers think you're so smart but 2600 years ago with just old fashioned stuff. These engineers started 2000 feet apart in the, each side of the mountain and they met, you can, I've, I've seen it It almost, it, it, they missed it by just a couple of inches. But I, I digress. Today, Hezekiah's Tunnel is, is a place where tourists walk through or spiritual pilgrims or, or classes of children. The late Norman Burns, a good friend of mine, was a missionary in in Jerusalem in those days years ago. And um, he was walking with his son's class. He was one of the parents that was helping corral the children. And he was the Norman was the last one in line, make sure they didn't lose anybody. And right in front of him was a frightened little boy. And I understand, I've been through Hezekiah's tunnel, it's It's low, it's not wide, water up to your knees. For anybody who suffers with claustrophobia, it's a nightmare. And this little boy got into the tunnel and did what I would do at a high place. He froze. And he put his arms out, and and it's narrow enough to do this. He put his arms on each side of the wall, Norman said. And he said, I can't move. Norman was one of the most encouraging people I've ever met. And I'm sure he was tender. But he said, son, we've got to go. The class is moving on. We've got to move. They're going to leave us here. And they went back and forth. and Norman tried to encourage him until finally a little boy said, I believe if you'll put your hand on my shoulder, I can make it. And Norman did. And the little boy did. And I don't mean to sound trite or overly simplistic. But if you find yourself in a tunnel with the walls closing in. The one who hung, the one whose hand hung the very stars in space. Has his hand on your shoulder. I just want you to feel it. This weekend we celebrate extraordinary courage. But I have had this week a burden for you and the private, personal, unnoticed and unheralded courage that some of you are exhibiting even now. If you could just talk to Hagar, she would tell you, you are not alone and you are not unnoticed. The people walking by don't know what's going on inside you but there is one who does. Please, my brother, my sister, be of good courage. The hand of the creator of the universe is on your shoulder.